Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 2nd, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the topic of the extra lore discussion from July, the Witcher series. This particular episode will serve as what we have lovingly called, or what we are lovingly calling, the introductory session of the week's exploration. But before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of those of who we have. Let me redo that. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of all those we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only Green Eye Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? It has been a, I mean, week has been good. A week's been the week. I am actually currently staying in a different home with a, my normal setup. I drug it all the way over here because I'd be house sitting for the next two weeks. So I am from a new location this week where there are mountains behind me <laughs> and a golden doodle to my right who is slobbering on my foot. And a, and a cat who, who likes coughing up hairballs. Yeah. There's two cats, one that likes to cough up hairballs and the other one who just does not. She's not social, but the only time she's social is when she takes her medicine because she likes it. (laughs) That's whatever. Okay. That's that's kind of backwards. (laughs) She's weird. She's real weird. It's fine, though. Well, and, and, you know, I I apologize for my kind of fumbling on the, the intro this this episode this is one of our like i was just explaining to our chat and in the live stream um this is our first time doing a the new format which is the intro and the what we're calling the intro and advanced sessions uh and it's also kind of weird because we're doing it with an extra lore episode which is going to be kind of different it's they're always kind of different anyways so forgive us mm-hmm. forgive me if you will for the little bit of bumblingness that's going on with the intro for this this week i promise i'm going to get better um but really quick, so normally we would have the community question right here, right? We would normally have that. But with Extra Lore, yeah, for the Destiny episodes. But for Extra Lore, we don't really, we never really have gotten into doing the community question, air quote there. Uh, so instead, what we decided to do is we're going to, we decided to kind of put in a, a placement of, you know, a question for those of us on the podcast. And it's really an opportunity for us to kind of, kind of give our feedback on what do we know about the series that's being discussed because a lot of times um 
they're series that maybe we ourselves don't have a lot of exposure to. And so in in those cases, we usually will try to have like a guest on. I know, I know this upcoming or current month is another update on Halo. So we're, we're going to probably try to get, we're going to probably try to trick pins into coming on. Um, I think he's already planned. I, as soon as I, I kind of, I kind of basically go, Hey pins, you're up. Like that's, that's kind of how I phrase it. So he knows. Um, So like, this will be, you know, again, we're going to, we're going to try to also get a, use it as an excuse to also get to know our guest a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that being said, you know, Green, um, what do you know about the Witcher series? Like, do you, are you familiar at all? Have you played any of the games, read any of the books? I have read a f- maybe about an hour's worth of the book. Um, the book, The Last Wish, I think is the name of the, the one that is canonically, technically they're saying the first one, okay. but as far as playing the game, since the first two technically were PC, if I remember correctly, I have not touched those. I have played a hot minute of uh, Witcher 3. It, I do enjoy the gameplay of that, but my introduction to the series was actually Yennefer okay. of all the characters. Yeah, no, like, that it would, was not... That would make sense. Yeah, she's... Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. She's one of those characters that... Her and Trish, Trish, you're going to know. You're you're just going to know, <laughs> especially if you're following in certain circles on the internet. You're going to know those two characters, role play characters for sure. Um, I've seen more Yennefer's than I've seen of uh, Geralt or Geralt or however you say his name. Yeah, I would. I more, would. There are, yeah, Yennefer and Triss would be very popular. I've seen a few dandelion dan, dandelions. Mm-hmm. Um, those are actually the very popular three. Uh, Geralt doesn't tend to be. I mean, it's because Geralt has such a he has such an iconic look. It's kind of hard to. You would think sometimes sometimes that's like easy for cosplayers, but then other times with like with oh, very sure. particular looks such as Geralt's, it's I think it's kind of a little bit more difficult. I'm, I mean, let's talk about this TV show that's about to be released or the uh, oh, the Netflix man. show. Henry Cavill as Gerald actually works, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Personally. Well, and I think so. the fun thing about that is you know that Cavill is a huge fan of the Witcher series. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he is he is a actually a huge fan of that series. And he was one of the ones that, I, if I remember the story correctly, he was the one that was basically breaking down the door trying to get the get the role. Um, and so, like, that was, that was really interesting to kind of read the the way that that all worked out um but yeah like the the screenshots that we've seen he's i think it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting they released the the one of the trailers and they are it does and we'll, we'll get into this i think a little bit more especially within the advanced session but like i think with the the netflix series they're gonna be going kind of more back to the books the storyline from the books, which I'll, I'll kind of explain my thoughts as to why that is here in a second. Um, but they're going to go back to the books. And one of the parts that they are going back to is Yennefer. Actually, Yennefer's uh, physical description in the books mm-hmm. is much different than the one that we see in the games. And the, yeah. the, there was a brief glimpse of uh, pre transformation. Cause there's a, there's a big transformation that Yennefer goes through. 
there's a glimpse of pre-transformation Yennefer in the Netflix trailer. And that actually made me really excited because I was like, look, we're actually going to get to see Yennefer like as the original portrayal of Yennefer. And, and, and that hopefully will will translate into also kind of explaining her explanation of why she became and how the sorceresses yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, and and why she became a sorceress. Like one of the one of the underlying reasons that she became a sorceress was due to not necessarily the physical aspect, or it wasn't it wasn't due to the way she looked, but because of the way she looked, the way she was treated. Uh, Unifer has a very very dark backstory. And if they're going, and I, I think that if they go in to tap into that to, as a as an explanation for her her story arc, I think is going to be mm-hmm. really interesting to see that getting translated onto screen. Um, which also, I think from the the murmurs that I've read about it, it's the the story arc seems to be taking place prior to the games. Um, yes, it's going to be taking. Our, I think it's going to be about one of the bat one of the monster battles that is heavily mentioned in the games um and it's not detailed isn't it in the books it's not in the books it's mentioned in the books okay. it's mentioned in the books but it's it's also not in the book because like that's kind of, okay. and we'll get into that right the witchers are kind of the uh, that's their what they do is they're monster hunters um so it's a fight that Geralt had to undergo it was a very specific fight but it was never detailed in either series Neither the books nor the okay. games really. They mentioned it, um, and one of the steer. I want to say, excuse me. Um, let me make sure I speak. I, I say this correctly. I believe it was um, the last wish. Actually, mentions because mm-hmm. the last wish takes place as a as basically a a series of flashbacks. So. Uh, this is the last wish is when he's healing, but I think the series from what I'm reading, the series is going to be the event that he's healing from. So it, it might actually be taking place prior to even the last wish within the, within the canon of the chronology of the series, which will be really interesting. It, it's, uh, and that's a big battle against a creature called a Striga, which actually is something that pops up in the, both the novels and in the, in the, in the games, um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I guess that kind of tips my hand as far as my answer about what I know about the series. I've never, I've never like dedicated a lot of time playing. CD Projekt Red is seriously one of my favorite publishers out there, um, and it's kind of interesting because Bungie just did actually a similar move as to what they did with Witcher Three. Uh, Bungie just recently announced that you know they're gonna they're gonna hold off on releasing uh, Shadowkeep. They were originally going to do September seventeenth, and now they're going. They're pushing it back to October first, and you know, basically, mm-hmm. basically, the game's not ready. We need more time. Well, and I, and the response that online has been given to that 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 announcement is very similar to what happened when uh, back in I think it was two thousand fifteen or two thousand fourteen actually when CD Projekt Red was getting ready to release Witcher three. They came out and they said, "Okay, hey, look, it's it's. I think it was like six months prior to the 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 release. They said, look, it's not ready. We need another six to eight months to to finish this because, you know, it's it's not ready and we don't want to release it in its state that it is right now. We're not going to be able to get done with it. And they actually pushed the release date of Witcher 3 
back nearly a, nearly a year, if I remember correctly. And they, they, in their announcement, they had said, you know, hey, look, we understand if you're really mad, if you need refunds, you know, whatever, just let us know. They actually had orders go up because of that. And it was like, it was a huge thing of like, you know, look, if you just, if you're just honest and you tell us, hey, look, no, it's, it's not what we want. We want to give you a better product. Most people are more than happy with it. Uh, so I just find that I found that a very interesting kind of parallel as we were kind of getting ready for this show. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of a cool thing. It's like seeing how seeing how gaming communities really in that regard, like if there's if there's transparency and honesty as far as the reasoning behind some of the, you know, the the, the fourth wall issues that are going on, the business issues, um, gaming communities as a whole, don't. they don't really throw a fit about it. Yeah, it's just well. I mean, considering how often we've gotten burned with games that got pushed out too right, soon, right, aren't complete. Especially whether it's like Assassin's yeah. Creed's Syndicate or how Anthem got pushed out fast, and all these different games that people just felt really burned, like burned by it, right? Because it wasn't ready, or there was so buggy. Like the Assassin's Creed, I stopped playing Assassin's Creed because of Syndicate. Oh, and I really? think that was the one that was just uh, so utterly buggy was, that you couldn't finish it. Yeah, it was either Syndicate or I think it was Unity 2 was really... It was Unity. Yeah, okay, Unity. Unity was terrible. Unity was really jacked up because I, I got a free copy of it, but it was like well after like they they patched it and everything. So I didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't experience I the day back. one issues, but... I know it puts such a bad taste in my yeah. mouth. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go back to it, even though I love that series. Right. No. And I, I mean, and so like, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where I just found, again, like I said, I just found that I found that an interesting parallel with, with these two series. Um, actually a lot of my research for this is, uh, really was also a refresher course for me. Cause I had, I had read, I had read some of the short stories. I haven't actually gotten a chance to sit down and read like full the full books. Um, mm-hmm. But I've played off and on various pieces. I've never, again, I've never actually sat, excuse me. I've never actually sat down and like fully played. All right, I'm going to go play because these games are immense like these. And, and that's going to be something in the advanced like session. Dragon Age. Well, the problem. So and and we'll, I'm definitely going to kind of deviate into that with the advanced session. But like the problem really is, is like once you hit Witcher 2, um, the game becomes so open world that it's very hard to summarize a plot. Because it's so it's so open world, it's so derived by what the player chooses that there are there are multitudes of endings. Um, we also see that being kind of probably the reason that a lot of times when it's referring to the canonical nature of the the Witcher universe as a whole, the games are actually not considered to be canon. Um, they're they're. They are made in a close alliance with uh, Andre Sapowski, uh, who is the the author who originally brought Witcher into into existence. Like he he is very close with the development. He's very you know the CD Projekt Red's done a very good job of kind of keeping him in the loop, and you know he's and vice versa. Um, but the games are actually considered still pretty much non-canon. Uh, so which which will be kind of a again an interesting part of the conversation but you know real quick um you know enough enough with me kind of chattering about it i know everyone is kind of looking forward to diving into the discussion um so let's get our standard housekeeping notes out of the way and then we'll get right into it 
Last week, we discussed Marcus Wren from within the Destiny series. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to rate, and if you don't mind, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful, as they not only let us know what we can do better for you, but help to continue to expand the FFC family, allowing more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you are aware, Focus Fire Chat is a community in which we offer the chance to dive into lore from within various titles and mediums, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. Every Friday at about 10pm Central, the podcast team gets together to stream a summary of the chosen topic for that week. The hope for this is to encourage dives into aspects of game lore within both our Discord server and within the other communities we share the digital world with. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, a central hub for content that covers a wide variety of different titles and mediums. Our full show notes for each week's topics will be posted here, so for the additional information or guest details, be sure to check out the site. Next week's topic is going to be a return to Destiny with a look at the Menagerie. That being said, however, we still want to hear your thoughts about this week's topic. Be sure to weigh in over on Discord, and don't be shy in tagging any of the team in the conversation. We can't wait to read what your thoughts are. With that being said, I'm going to let Green start us off with a high-level summary of this week's topic. The Witcher video games are based on a renowned fantasy book series by the Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski. The book series is made made up of two short story collections and six novels. The short story collections introduce many of the major characters and do a lot of world-building, and the novels tell the story of Geralt and Ciri. These books take place over several years before the beginning of the first game and provide a lot of background information on the characters and the world. They do not spoil the story of the games in any way. During the centuries preceding these stories, most of the continent's southern regions have been taken over by the Nif. Guard Empire. The North belongs to the fragmented Northern Kingdoms. The Witcher Saga takes place in the aftermath of the first major war between the Nilfgaard Empire and the Northern Kingdoms, with the second war beginning in the middle of the series. The books do an excellent job providing an explanation to the multiple references that the cast of the characters make throughout the game series, providing significant amounts of in-depth background information on the world and other characters. The stories are set on an unarmed continent, unnamed continent, which was settled several thousand years earlier by elves from overseas. When they arrived, the elves encountered gnomes and dwarves. After a period of war between the elves and dwarves, the dwarves retreated into the mountains and the elves settled in in the plains and forests. Human colonists arrived about 500 years before the events in the stories, igniting a series of wars. The humans were victorious and became dominant. The non-human races, now considered second-class citizens, often lived in small ghettos with human settlements. Those not confined to the ghettos live in the wilderness regions yet not yet claimed by humans. Other races on the continent are halflings and dryads. Werewolves and vampires appeared after a magical event known as the conjunction of the spheres, Following this event, humanity created witchers, orphaned humans who were, at childhood, taken to be trained and mutated into four higher monster hunters. While the story of how witchers were first created is lost in the current game world, there are still 
They're still I'm having trouble finding witcher schools facilities built to manage the process of mutating and training new witchers within the books. We see reference to three of these schools, the school of the wolf where Geralt is trained, the school of the cat and the school of the Griffin within the game series. We are introduced to the school of the Viper as well. An overall recur- recurring theme throughout the series as a whole is the portrayal of the greedy and short-sighted nobility, corrupt and distrusting small towns filled with prejudice and often violent everyday folk. This creates a constant push and pull between apathy and empathy that builds a satisfying connection to the realism of the world for fans. So, the thing that I remember when playing it is that there are not many monster hunters out there Mm -hmm. at all, all, even though there's a few schools and everything whatnot going on there that the training is difficult. And then the transformation is even more difficult to actually survive. Right. Right. Which is what sets Geralt uh, apart from even the other witchers. Uh, It's explained and we'll, we'll get in, we'll, I think I have it noted here. Let me make sure I, I want to say I did. Um, yeah. So Geralt actually, well, and I, I think that might be a good kind of segue into talking about the, the, you know, major characters too. Um, sure. Geralt was actually, I mean, so not only is Geralt a protagonist, you know, or the protagonist of both the series, both the story arcs. Um, but he's also, he exhibited an unusual tolerance for the mutagen. So what witchers are, um, is, is like they, they are basically super soldiers in a way, but Geralt kind of had a really unusual ability to tolerate the forces that they use to, to force mutation, to make them stronger, faster, you know, more powerful. Um, and so in his initial training, they basically found this out. They they went through what the initial round of mutagens would normally cause. And he basically was like, all right, whatever, fine. And he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't have as much problems as, as usual. And so the trainers who were responsible for that were like, okay, well, let's see if he can handle more. So he was actually subjected to further mutagens. And that is actually the explanation for why his hair is white. But the, the trade-off is, is like he, he got like all sorts of physical, uh, the other thing that the mutagen, sorry, the other thing the mutagens does is it sterilizes the witchers. The witchers are all sterile. They are not able to reproduce, uh, which is where a number of, the political tensions with witchers kind of actually seems to stem from is the way that the witchers continue their legacy, uh, which we'll get into in just a second. But Geralt was further subjected, further subjected to mutagens after the initial round, which then gave him even more enhanced speed, strength, and stamina, even to other witchers. So Geralt is actually, even among the witchers, Geralt is actually a, more powerful witcher like that's that's one of the things about Geralt specifically that is called out multiple times is his unusual ability to tolerate the mutagens the potions um the use of uh the chaos or magic um he he has he has this really unusual ability to kind of take damage like significant damage and just keep going um let me see well like the witchers have to be able to tolerate potions and and poultices that are a lot more 
detrimental to like it would kill a normal human right like normal level witchers would Geralt can even go beyond, beyond that. that yeah he well. can so like Geralt is able to do like that's why uh, that's why in game you can it's the explanation of in game you can back to back potions like in the book series mm-hmm. you see witchers who they have to like they have to pace themselves between those things because basically when they ingest these things they it's it's a very fine line between you're you're getting more powerful but you're also pushing your body beyond its limits and so it's it's like how much how far can you push yourself before you actually kill yourself um Geralt just has a a a further tolerance of that um and so to kind of go back real quick when we say witcher i guess the easier way to start would be when we say witcher uh a witcher is a magically and genetically mutated professional monster hunter uh for hire they're basically they they are mercenaries if you will um and they're all human uh it they were created following the 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 event that introduced monsters to the world uh, which you know green had mentioned it's called the conjecture of spheres um, following that catastrophe humans figured out a way to create basically a defense mechanism and that defense mechanism was witchers uh, and so what happens is these humans basically transform themselves into a supernatural weapon through the ingestion of various mutagens uh, whether that's in the form of potions or actually eating various uh, poisonous items they are generally, as a rule, independent forces. They, they, as a as a general rule, refuse to get involved with political struggles between countries due to it generally being quote bad for business. Again, going kind of back, to, yeah, they're, they're well, it's it's also yeah, yeah, it's it's basically they're they're businessmen, like they're mercenaries. That's what they mm-hmm. do. Uh, their tools of trade are a steel sword, a seal, a silver sword, a vast collection of potions, and a little bit of magic, which I'll get into in just a second. Um, and these all go a long way actually towards explaining the distrust and shunning that is generally expressed towards those identified as witchers. Um, you actually hear this in a, one of my favorite game trailers. Uh, and it's like you you see this is for Witcher 3. It's called Lullaby of Woe. Um, and I will I will link the actual whole song. Someone someone there there is actually on the uh, soundtrack. Someone did the whole song and it's just amazing. I'm going to grab the chorus that I'm talking about real quick. Uh, so the verse is, Wolves asleep amongst the trees, bats all swaying in the breeze, but one soul lies anxious, wide awake, fearing no manner of goals, hags, and wraiths. And then it, you know, it goes on to kind of talk about this thing. Um, and it, the chorus is, As the witcher, brave and bold, paid in coin of gold, he'll chop and, he'll chop and slice you, cut and dice you, eat you up whole. Um, it's just, uh, it's, and that's, that's a lullaby. That's the lullabies that they sing about the witchers and, and depending on the area, which will be more, it will be more prevalent in Witcher three, which is where, again, this was introduced. Um, there are certain areas within the Northern kingdoms that view the witchers much harsher than others. Other, the Northern kingdom is just not kind to even like sorceresses or any magic. And well, some of them are like Toussaint is Varen or uh, Velen is not Velen or no man's land. And, and there's, there's political reasoning behind a lot of that uh, with like the brotherhood of sorcerers and um, right. the, the uh, God, I just blanked the chapters of wizards 
And then why am I blanking? The Lodge. The Lodge of Sorceresses. The Lodge. Right. So like the, the whole the politics right. between the Lodge and the and wizards the, and everything like that. And then with. And then the politics involved with all of those. Right. And the the other thing is a lot of the major, um, a lot of the major disasters are magical and so there's there's with the common people um if they if they only know that oh we are in this state of life because of you know the the sphere the um i keep blanking on the conjunction of the spheres arguably the conjunction of the spheres was caused by magic well the sorcerers are magic you know this like this whole stereotypical or stereotyping of the masses based off faulty information that's what you see a lot of and and that's also geared towards the witchers as well um but an important thing so i mentioned when we were talking about Geralt, uh we i mentioned that they're sterile so an important aspect of the world of witcher like the the game the, the universe of the witchers is this idea called the law of surprise and this is a very important aspect because witchers again are sterile as a result of the mutations so they rely on abandoned children, orphans, or the law of surprise to actually grow their ranks. And what the law of surprise is, is that this is a law, a tradition, if you will, that states basically that if a person's life is saved, their savior might ask the debt to be repaid by the law of surprise. And that's defined as, quote, that which you already have but do not know, end quote. And this is often translated into uh, basically a child that you're unaware of. A, fam- a famous example of this, this is actually the explanation of the binding between Siri and Geralt. Uh, Geralt saves Siri's father and claims the law of surprise to which he agrees. And that is what leads to Siri uh, being officially noted or officially recognized as bound to Geralt. There's a few other things that happen with Siri that lead her to Geralt, and it's not so clean cut. But that's that's one of the more famous examples of the Law of Surprise kind of being this this tool of destiny, if you will, within the Witcher world. Um, so another another mention that I kind of threw out there was uh, the Sorcerers, like you know the Brotherhood of Sorcerers, the Chapter Wizards, um, <clears throat> and the Lodge. Uh, in in the order of the story chapter wizards is kind of the first that we kind of get an idea of organized group uh formerly they're known as the chapter of the gift and the art uh, and it's basically a group of mages uh within the brotherhood of sorcerers so they're kind of concurrent uh the chapter wizards is usually the usually understood to be the inner circle of mages within the brotherhood of sorcerers and they usually it it's consisted of five members <clears throat> however there was a coup that destroyed both the brotherhood and the chapter of wizards and then basically because it destroyed them this that was the end of it and that all happens within the books um when we talk about the brotherhood of oh yeah go for it I was like, there's a, f- and we're getting probably going to talk about the, um, this, the, oh gosh, why did I blank on the it? Lodge. Uh, the Lodge. Yeah, yeah, the Lodge, the Lodge, I was going to go, I was going to say, uh, Brotherhood, and then I was going to explain the Lodge because the Lodge yeah, replaced the, the Brotherhood. Factions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Brotherhood is the oldest organization of mages in the Northern Kingdoms prior to the events that happened in what's referred to as the Thaned Coup 
uh, in the year 1267. Uh, basically, what happened is formed in the aftermath of a non-aggression pact that was established by the Novogradian Union. Uh, it was it they came together, they united, and had control over most of the magic users, magic academies, and institutions. So they they basically were a organized body of government for magic users. Um, it was led by the chapter, uh, which was consisted of two main governing bodies that guided magical practice for centuries. Now, one of the biggest conflictions or one of the biggest conflicts that the Brotherhood had within the magical community is that it was largely male dominated, uh, which is what leads into the lodge. Uh, following the, I'm going to come over here. <clears throat> so the lodge. Thanid. Yeah, fo- following the Thanid coup, uh, there is a group basically that is referred to as the Lodge of Sorceresses, and they are the ones that arose from the ruins that was the Brotherhood of Sorcerers after the coup, and then they basically wiped out the they wiped the board of the older mages or the older order. Um, originally, it was a secret organization that was composed entirely of female mages, and it's often referred to as a sisterhood due to originally no men being invited. Uh, and this was due to, to as uh, in their own words, the sorceresses viewing men as being too incompetent to handling governing areas of magic. Uh, yeah, well, that not only governing areas areas of magic but also dealing with the politics because that's they yeah the... the conclave which will mm-hmm. get that the conclave comes to a head in witcher three or witcher two um two but and originally within the novels the lodge is just kind of in its infancy um and we have actually a quote from the glossary in game and it's and they say the founder's aim was to bring the war between Nilfgaard and the northern kingdoms to a close while maintaining the mage's influence on the fate of the world it is effectively an association of the most powerful female mages from both the northern and southern realms the lodge has significant political influence although its activities are not entirely understood by the public end quote so again the, very secret yes very very secretive very very secretive um and you know we can't talk about mages and sorceresses without kind of giving a nod to magic magic is as you kind of have guessed probably by now a pretty large and central piece of the witcher universe uh magic is not only used by mages and sorceresses but also by witchers priests druids and a myriad of the magical creatures that inhabit both the literature and the games uh and what magic is in the destiny or destiny magic is is in the witcher universe um it's basically the harnessing of what's referred to as the power of chaos so uh when, when we when we see magic, it is predominantly from the eyes of a witcher, and, and which is because those are usually the protagonists that we're, we're experiencing the world through. Witchers are referred to magic through their use of signs, which is basically simple spells. Um, Sigils. Yeah, it's basically cantrips for anybody who plays D&D. Uh, yep. it's, it's like they're, they're, well, they're like somewhere between a, a cantrip level and a level one, maybe level two spell. If you, if you're at all familiar with D and D hierarchy of spells, um, able to cast them at will, but not able to m- put much power. Yeah. Behind yeah. Them. Yeah. And, and some signs, uh, like a lot of times, well, I'll get, I'll get that in here. So, so yeah, yes. Um, 
So while a few simple spells like Witcher Sign can be used by almost anyone, only those born with the power, which are known as sources, are capable of truly wielding its incredible power. Um, and so throughout the series, there are various branches of magic with mages usually coming or usually being portrayed as having a natural affinity for one area and therefore kind of specializing and studying more extensively in that area, though it also means or it also states that they can have skills in another. So, uh, um, excuse me. <clears throat> we also see that there are, as with the most magical systems, uh, some branches that are considered taboo and have been banned by certain mage organizations. Um, so the branches of magic that we kind of see are uh, mind, air, earth, water, fire, diviniza- divination, and then band, which is basically necromancy is the general one. Um, within those branches, it's all cr- it's all harnessing the power of chaos and specifically using the power of chaos to utilize elements, which are air, earth, water, fire, and then mind. So you actually have the five elements, not just the four earthly elements. Um, now, real quick, I said source. This is another very important term. A source is a person born with a natural affinity for magical abilities. Uh, and basically, this is something that is very akin to a sorcerer from D&D. So it's not a wizard. It's like a sorcerer. They have that innate ability. Um, and that, that ability is actually usually really rather difficult to control once it's once it's bloomed Um, this can sometimes lead to mental illness like catatonia if not helped Uh, we see in which the initial game uh, one of the major sources actually does go insane and becomes an antagonist which we'll talk about in the advanced session Um, Some sources also possess a thing called elder blood. And what this means is that elder blood is an indication. Yeah, it's it's a bit. It's another big thing. Um, Elder blood is an indication that they they are descendants of a figure who who's known as Laura Doran. Uh, Siri is currently one of the very few, if not the only one, I believe, um, possessors of elder blood which is why siri is so central to this whole series it's a really weird sentence to say um Mm -hmm. so right so we got we got that we got that um let me jump over to elder blood real quick and then i'm gonna i want to talk about the signs just a little bit so elder blood i'm just going to actually read the explanation from witcher 3 it's a really really interesting one that actually does a really good job of explaining it so Uh, The quote is, a genetic program initiated by elven mages, also known as sages, for the purpose of creating an extraordinarily gifted child whose power would exceed their own. According to the prophecy of the elven diviner Illithine, the child of elder blood will one day save the elves from annihilation. However, the last carrier of Anhin Ikar, Laura Din Ap Shidhal, bonded with a human instead of an elf, thus shattering all plans regarding her offspring. For obvious reasons, the bearers of the Elder Blood were always subjects of great interest to the world's mighty and to mages alike. The former counted on the truth of Illithing's prophecy, on an avenger being born who could destroy worlds and who they could thus use for their purposes. As for the latter, they hoped to harness the magic of Hin Ikkar and broaden their own knowledge and powers. 
Ultimately, however, all these plans were for naught. The Elder Line broke off with the disappearance of the heiress of the Nilfgaardian crown, Cyrilla Fianna Ellen Renan. Um, and so that's in quote. So basically, Elder Blood is a uh, uh, breeding it was breeding. Genetic. It was a breeding program. Genetic. Yeah, it was a genetic program to enhance the elves beyond to create their own savior, essentially. But it backfired. It. Yeah. Ish. But it didn't, which we'll get into in the advanced session with Witcher Three. Right, but that's but that's but according to their prophecy, yes. it backfired. Yes. Stopping. Self, stop there. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecies are fun. Yeah, Witcher Three later. Um, God, man, it's so hard not to dive into that part. That part. It, I know. That is a very so like that prophecy and the concept of Elder Blood. I want to reiterate is very important to this entire series. It explains a number of the connections that both you see in game off off camera um a lot of the events around siri why siri is so central it's all because of the concept of elder blood and what that prophecy speaks of so uh yes full stop on that for right now uh signs yep. signs are uh, like i said signs are kind of the cantrips there are currently in because of the game world, we actually have six. We, uh, I believe we only had five, four or five in the book series. Uh, they introduced a new one in Witcher 3 that was actually very useful. Uh, and a lot of people were like, why didn't we have this before? Um, so basically, though they are not mages, witchers are able to cast simple magic, simple magic spells that can prove effective when used properly. These signs are the reasons that witchers prefer to utilize single-handed weapons. Uh, basically, it leaves their other hand free to cast, uh, because some signs require an arranging of the fingers in a specific pattern, while others just need, or while others require to be drawn on solid surfaces. Signs are made available through the use of Circle of Elements, which is basically a meditation point where magic is strong in the world, and are, are the following. Brooke, would you have something green? No, I was just just looking through aren't they generally cast like imagery wise in the sh- also besides the hand shapes and everything aren't there runes runes tied to yes them too? actually the banner the banner that you that we have for this this episode the full banner um is i i will actually go through the ones that has all of them except for heliotrop uh, which is the new one and i don't know if we have i don't know if i've seen a sign or a rune for heliotrop um Okay. The the runes that Green is referencing to are actually derived from the runic images for the elements that the sign is utilizing. Uh, first up, we have Ard, which is going to be the rune that is uh, surrounded in blue. This element is the combination of air and mind. Uh, Yennefer explains this as, quote, The so-called sign of Ard is a very simple spell belonging to the family of psychokinetic magic, which is based on thrusting energy in the required direction. The force of the thrust depends on how the will of the person throwing it is focused on the and on the expelled force. It can be considerable. End quote. So this is basically um, uh, force pushing people. Again, that's the blue, the blue sigil. The green sigil is the one called Axie, and this is the combination of water and mind. Uh, this sign actually creates a hypnotic effect that is used to calm people and creatures, or creatures uh, manipulate minds and. In game, you can actually hex enemies, causing them to become temporary allies. So this is the, for those of us who play Destiny, this is the friendship punch 
that fell winter <laughs> that fell winter is known for. Oh, I miss those. <laughs> They're coming back. Artifacts are coming back. Yeah, the those. friend friendship friendship yeah. is magic punch. Um the next one that I have on here is Heliotrop. This is the one that I as I mentioned, I don't know the sigil for it. I wasn't able to find it in time to make the banner. Uh Heliotrop is a combination of the elements of earth and fire. And it's a sign that assists the the caster in buffering against physical attacks, blocking combat magics, and cushioning against impacts with walls and the ground. Um, This is actually one of the few... This is the sign that was introduced in Witcher 3. Um, And this sign is noted as being only active for a moment. It's used to dampen the threat of a single powerful attack or a particular incident. So basically, if if the Witcher is falling, they cast Heliotrop to kind of cushion that that landing um and again i don't have a sigil for that i apologize for that one it's usually portrayed as a white smoke uh but i couldn't figure out where the where the sigil was the sigil is a inverted triangle with the line all the way through okay okay according to the wiki okay cool cool i didn't i couldn't figure it out in time to put it together for the banner so i apologize for that one oh yeah um the next one that i do have is on the banner it's igni and this is as you probably if you're familiar with most of the spellcasting fantasy games this is going to be the fire uh this one is the sigil that is surrounded in red um and basically the explanation here is that it's a it's a simple sign that basically creates a pyrokinetic burst uh often used in game to repel or ignite opponents however what we often see uh Geralt using in the stories in the in the books is actually he uses this in more mundane situation to start fires so when they when they sit down for camp at night he casts igni and that's how they start fires it's a a lot easier than using a match. Um, Quinn is uh, the predominant element of Earth. Uh, it is surrounded, it's the sigil that is surrounded in yellow. It is a sign that when cast forms a protective field around the caster, buffering them against sonic attacks but not physical blows. Also, unlike Heliotrop, Quinn actually remains active until either it is broken or it is actively dispelled by the caster. So it is a longer standing. Um, sign and again it Mm -hmm. doesn't actually help against physical attacks just kind of sonic magical attacks the last one is yurden and this is the element of mind this is the sigil that is surrounded in the kind of the purple haze Uh, this is the sign that is actually inscribed it has to be inscribed on a solid surface to scare away monsters it basically pushes them back blocking them from getting too close However, if the monster or the opponent forces its way into the affected area, it is actually slowed, and the, it has the additional uh, excuse me has the additional benefit of if the if the monster that is being faced is a non corporeal force like a ghost or a wraith or um, a member of the wild hunt, you know, just maybe uh, it forces those non corporeal forces to become corporeal, which allows them to bind them. So that's that's a very important thing that will come up later. Um, again, those are the six signs that we predominantly see within the game um, and the novels. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think that's got the lodge. Besides got the, going the, through other other major characters or going through the concept of the wild hunt, I think which we can, technically doesn't actually pop up until the uh, Witcher Three. No, it pops up in the books. Oh, I'm sure. 
I haven't gotten all the way through the books. <laughs> the Wild Hunt, yeah, the Wild Hunt actually pops up pretty early in the books, again, because of what Siri is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, real quick, let me let me just run through the Wild Hunt real quick, and then I'll let you take the, ma- the remainder characters. Sound good? Sure. Okay, so real quick, Wild Hunt, um, pretty actually pretty similar to the the real mythology of the Wild Hunt. It's a group of elves uh, from a place called Tirnalia, uh, which we'll get explained later, who call themselves the Dreg Ridri in their native elder speech, meaning Red Riders. They are led by the general and later the king, Eredin Brack Glass. Um, Brack Glass, man, that's a really funny name. Uh, commonly known as the King of the Wild Hunt. Uh, however, while they're true, or while their true purpose is to find and capture slaves from other worlds, such as the Ain Hasidid, to serve the Alder Folk or the Elves, the Wild Hunt comes to eventually set their sights upon Ciri due to her being the heir of the Elder Blood. Elder Blood. Um, so basically, interestingly enough. There's the actual mythology of the yes, Wild Hunt yes. that's available, too. Yes, and uh, it's actually pretty similar to both in, in yeah, the Witcher really world and our own world. Like, if you're familiar with the Wild Hunt from the Germanic uh, mythos, uh, it's it's really similar. It's a really, it's a really cool tie-in yep. that they they were able to do with that. But that being said, let's, you know, Green, why don't you, I know, yeah. I know you mentioned that you yeah. wanted to talk about Yennefer. Oh, Yennefer. Yennefer of the dark hair. Uh, Funny thing enough, sorceress is something we didn't necessarily mention. When uh, men go through magical training, they tend to age. Obviously, you get the idea of like the wizened, the wizard type look. But women, on the other hand, actually go through a different type of transformation, becoming more beautiful and whatnot. So Blue had mentioned really early on in the episode that during the netflix thing we get to see tris before transformation Yennefer. this is why no i thought was it Yennefer? yeah Yennefer, it was Yennefer is the one that okay. tris tris has always been tris like that's yeah. tris uh tris but, uh, but yeah no Yennefer is the one that um she, she the, the it's the significant it's significant yeah a lot of times the women go from being kind of outcast type characters looking various different ways, whether they're hunchback or whatnot, and they get through these corrective spells and whatnot as part of their training. Interesting, interesting different uh, dichotomy between those two. But Yennefer herself, Yennefer of Vinterberg, is Geralt's quote-unquote soulmate, um... That because of the way the game is built, the games, not necessarily the books, the games, you can choose multiple or different lovers and whatnot. Mm. But Yennefer is kind of always a staple as far as a person that you tend to run into quite a bit. She is a sorceress who is considered to be more powerful than Triss within the chapter of Wizards. Yennefer was born in Belletin, uh, Belletian to a rough life her father detested her immediately due to her having been born a hunchback blaming her mother's elven blood for it and beating the child up until the day he abandoned them this abuse would only drive the girl on leading her to arrive at the door as of eridtuza where in her first year of studying the arts of magic she struggled to the point of a serious attempt on her own life following this event she would find healing from the damage 
for the damage from the suicide attempt, as well as her deformities in the higher magic, something that has led to her becoming a powerful mage in her own right. She is a battle mage, or battle uh, battle mage, is, I guess is the easiest way to say mm-hmm. it, is one of her talents. She will um, essentially f- use like force ice on a battlefield to help deter... Uh, lines of forces moving forward. There's other things that she does as well, but there's a really cool cutscene where she throws down essentially this frozen chunk of ice and it just goes. But yes, (laughs) she, she's, she's an interesting character. Um, I believe, I believe the term is BAMF. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh yes. Very much so. Yennefer is my favorite character. I know that she's not everybody. Like she's one of the two. It's either you're a Triss fan or you're a Yennefer fan. I'm a Yennefer fan. Full, 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 full tilt on that one. But I like I like Yennefer's have... history. Like Yennefer's backstory. Yeah, it's hard not to respect her, even if you don't like her. Like if you read, if you actually go back and read like the full story of Yennefer, like where she came from, it's really hard not to read that and be like, okay, you know what? I might not like you, but I'm going to tip my hat because you came out of a really bad situation and you're, you're where you are now. Yep. 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 Uh, let's see here. Then there is Siri, which we've mentioned before the Cirilla Fiona Ellen Rhiannon, which is the, the adopted daughter of Geralt, Geralt and Yennefer. Um, essentially, Yennefer is pretty much acts like her mother mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, even though she's obviously not. And then you have uh, information about Ciri. She is the granddaughter of Queen Calathe of Sintra, meaning that she has the blood of the elves and an unknown but dangerously powerful gift that is sought after by many. So she's kind of the pawn that is played around on this board of this board of games essentially going on in the whole yeah books I would, and series i would honestly say that siri is actually the focal point of the story well while we play through we see the world through geralt's right. eyes siri is actually you know siri is actually the main character we're just experiencing her story through geralt Yes, she is the focal point of the story, even though that Geralt is the main action mm-hmm. that you you perceive, even though all the stories revolve around the child. Yes. Um, Dandelion. <laughs> or if you just read it straight up and you're just reading Dandelion. Dandelion. Uh, <laughs> Chat. Oh, no. Dandelion. <laughs> oh, man. You always, he's like, okay, the best way I can describe him is he is, oh no, I can't think of his, is it not Philippe, from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yes, sidekick. yes, yeah, yeah. That's who he reminds the me of. The Candlebra. No, 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 Oh, you no, mean no, the no. clock? Um, the clock? No, 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 no. Gaston. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 okay, okay. Yes, sorry. God, yes, that would also be accurate. That would be also be accurate, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just love chat's reaction. <laughs> no, not Dandelion. Uh, best friend. 
he really is. Like honestly, he is kind of he is really the best friend of Gerald. Like he is the Crimson Adventure. He is the bard (laughs) and poet who is also a spy for the king of Redania. It's he is. He's the bard that you don't want in your party, but he's also the bard you want in your party. This is why I compared him to LeFou, because LeFou, LeFou is the okay. one who starts off the singing, the singing in the in the bar during Beauty and the Beast. No one so, spits like a stun da da bum 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 Anyway, Disney reference. Yeah, so I, I will also throw in that like 90% of the times that you encounter Dandelion uh in the games and actually in the books it's always a situation in which Geralt is rescuing him from himself like yes. it's always that like i i i think like in, in like reviewing all the games especially every time he gets introduced it's either he's about to be hanged or he's he's running away from something that he he caused like the very first meeting that they had was after Dandelion had gotten a girl pregnant and her brothers were looking for him and threatening to geld him. <laughs> if he did, if he did, yeah. Ba- well, no, they were just gonna like they were just really not happy with it, and so it was just like I mean, like, and that kind of set the stage for their entire future relationship. Like Geralt has always been, yeah. Chat. Oh God, what did you do now, Dandelion? <laughs> like it's just, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's he's the comic relief. He really is, and he's he's actually he's there. There are there are moments within, um, like there are moments where he actually does prove his worth. Like in the games, oh yeah, in the games he he wouldn't be a good sidekick if you. I mean, he's not. <laughs> he he's the one that actually like comes up with a couple of the plans. He's the ones that gets you know different things that are supposed to not be doable. He's the one who kind of knows how to polish the or you know grease the palms of people who need to be involved and all that. So, but yeah, oh my gosh, Dandelion. <laughs> oh, and then the last—well, not the last major character, but the one that is probably the third most recognizable in the series Triss the one we've mentioned a few different times uh she is listed as a friend of Gerald you can also make her a romantic interest mm-hmm. according to the gameplay it's not necessarily within book uh, canon or don't, anything like yeah, that I can't remember if it's actually there's, canonical there's, there's there's moments again it's just it's just an open world. It's just a free world. It's just free. It's just free. Free. Um, Is that the word that we're going to go with? Is free. that we're going to? We're going we're gonna to use that because that's the PG <laughs> word for it. Um, she acts as an older sister to Siri. So she helps take care of the child too, but it's more of a sisterly thing rather than a motherly like Yennefer does. Mm-hmm. And she is also a powerful sorceress, uh, most notably with her red hair. She's very striking. And she is a member of the chapter of Wizards, and she also likes to get her fingers into all the politics that are going on all the time. Among other things. Um, Among other things. She is also where um, 
I just blanked. Where Yennefer is kind of like a, a mage, a battle mage, Triss is much more known for her healing and po- uh, alchemy. Um, she's also mm-hmm. she also like has this really unique uh, strength in teleportation, which comes in very handy. Uh, she is she is the source of a lot of the Deus Ex Machias of of the game, where Geralt is like, oh, "I'm gonna die," and she goes. And he's like somewhere else. It happens a couple times in the game, and it's like, okay, thank thank God for Triss because she's the one that's been watching over him, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's I, I think that's honestly where I want to kind of end the the uh, intro session. Yeah, I want to because I'm gonna get. I think the next piece is a or the next piece for the advanced session. We're gonna jump really far into the the actual plot of the overall the overarching series as a whole. Um, and I'm so it was like a cocktail lesson. So if you are ever at a cocktail party and somebody asks you about The Witcher, you can talk about it at least with some some significant relative um, confidence. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, real, perhaps real quick. Um, final thoughts on that. Shout outs? I don't man, this is so weird. Like, like I said, it's kind yeah. of a a weird introduction I, type thing for us as well. Um so final thoughts it, or shout outs? I mean <laughs> I guess final thoughts on this is the world is incredibly expansive and this is something I'm sure we will echo at the end of the uh the ex advanced episode, but if you are wanting to learn more in particular about the world itself, the games are okay place to do it, but you're really going to find most of your information about all the different factions and whatnot within the books. So I highly suggest you kind of venture into that. It is suggested to start with The Last Wish, even though the very first book was the the sword the sword book. I can't think of what it was called off the top of my head. Sword of uh, Destiny. Sword of Destiny. Sword of Destiny was written first, but the as far as the start of the quote-unquote canon canon story is The Last Wish, and really dive into the books if you're wanting to explore more into the world, because you're going to get more explanations about the sorceresses, the magic, how everything works, how the training for witchers goes down, which is a really fascinating process. Um, Beyond that, we're going to dive into our advanced episode here shortly. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.